Greetings, humanity. This is Jim. So I'm trying out a slightly new audio thing, a sort of DIY soundproofing type thing. You know those mattress toppers that you can buy at Bed Bath & Beyond? I got a really cheap one, and I was going to use it to sleep on, and I tried that for a few weeks, and then my back objected rather violently. So I took it off the mattress, and it's been sitting in my closet for a while, and then tonight I thought, you know, this is foam. Maybe it'll work as a sound dampener. I don't know. So we'll see how this goes. I've got it currently jammed behind my computer, which is where I sit to record. So hopefully nothing's going to catch fire over the next several minutes as I rant about continuity and canon. But if so, then you may be getting my final words over a podcast where I'm talking about the continuity of various geeky franchises, which I guess is kind of appropriate in a way. So let's begin. Does canon matter? This is sort of a wrap-up wherein I grab a bunch of the honorable mentions, the things that I didn't have quite enough material to talk about to make individual episodes, but which I think deserve to be talked about. Now, these are things I am still a fan of, but these are things where the issues of canon either are not known to me that well, as I don't know the franchise that well, or are things that aren't that prevalent in the material, though they are significant enough to mention. And I think this is actually quite amusing as I'm recording this shortly after an interview came out with someone who worked on the Darkwing Duck TV show, and there is a huge uproar on the internet because he's saying that it's not in the same universe as DuckTales, and people who remember it from their childhood are wailing and saying, No! it was in the same universe! And they cite lots and lots of things from the show that indicates that Darkwing Duck and DuckTales are indeed both in the same universe. It is awesome and amusing to hear about, especially if you are a fan of those cartoons or of canon arguments in general. But I'm not going to go into detail about that here, I just thought I'd mention it. So, what am I going to talk about? Well, I'm going to try to do this as a fairly rapid-fire thing. I've got a handful of topics to talk about, so let's see where this goes. So, Star Trek. I'm sure there are lots and lots and lots of things to talk about with respect to Star Trek continuity. There's that whole Memory Alpha site that folks go on and argue about it. But the thing that's interesting to me now is the whole thing with the timelines that came about with the new movies, with new actors playing the original crew. The first two of which were directed by J.J. Abrams. It is now referred to, I believe, as the Kelvin Timeline, or Kelvin Universe, because that's the name of the starship whose destruction started the divergence in the timeline. Now, of course, before I get into this, once again, I'm just going to give a general warning to everyone about spoilers. I am going to spoil the heck out of pretty much everything I talk about on this podcast, so if I mention a franchise and you don't want to be spoiled, just stop listening, because I'm going to go into spoilers. I'm not sure what I'm going to say, but I'm not going to worry about whether I'm spoiling the thing or not, so just be warned about that, and be aware. So the thing that I find interesting about the difference between what I believe they're calling the Prime Timeline, which is the original timeline we see in the various TV series, the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise, and the original series movies, and the Next Generation movies. All those are in the Prime timeline, and these newer movies are in the Kelvin timeline. I 
think the Star Trek cartoon and the comic books and all that are not necessarily considered canon officially, but that's its own thing, and I'm not really going to talk about that because I'm not sure. But anyway, Prime and Kelvin. I think when the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie came out, what they did was really cool because they were threading a very fine needle in trying to set something up that would be faithful to the original series, but would also give them room to do what they wanted to. So they were very specific in talking about alternate realities and bringing in Spock from the Prime universe, and they're very careful to state that that original universe was still intact. In the script, they said this, so that itself is canon, but they still wanted a reboot. So they managed, and I don't think I have ever seen this anywhere else, but they managed to do a continuation and a reboot in the same movie. That's unprecedented, I think. At least I am not familiar with any examples of any other franchise starting over but still being a continuation. I've just not seen it. But they pulled it off, so I have to give them props for that. It was a thing that it looks like took place for Spock Prime probably sometime even after Star Trek Nemesis, which is a movie that I kind of feel like should be expunged from all records and people's memories, but that's another topic entirely. But anyway, some of the design elements of the Romulan ship that comes back from the future kind of reminded me a little bit of the ship designs from Nemesis, in a way. So they were kind of conscious of that having taken place. They were going back and very lightly referencing the last time we saw Spock in Star Trek continuity when he appeared on The Next Generation because he was trying to make peace with the Romulans. So obviously he's continuing that by trying to save the Romulans and in the process ends up throwing himself backwards in time, dragging an angry Romulan mining ship with him and changing history. I think that while the specifics of the whole red matter thing are perhaps best left kind of murky. The idea was kind of brilliant because they managed to head lots of nerd arguments off at the pass by doing that and giving people who would have been on opposite sides of the argument no real reason to fight over it. So I liked it. An interesting thing to point out is that in both universes, and this has been pointed out before, but in both the Prime universe and the Kelvin universe, Enterprise is exactly the same, because the change to the timeline didn't happen until after that series took place. So if you don't choose to believe that that entire series was a holodeck hallucination, then it's canon no matter which of the two timelines you're working with. And they kind of go into that a little bit, mostly again in design elements and what have you, with Star Trek beyond the most recent installment, because they have certain characters in a ship from that era that turn up and are referenced. Now, does the canon matter for it? Well, I kind of feel that as far as the minutia of Star Trek canon goes, it really only matters if you are a Star Trek fan. If I am talking to a Star Trek fan, it's something that I'm curious about, and it's an interesting topic, but not necessarily something that I'm incredibly concerned about. I think most viewers can grasp the idea of the two separate timelines. That was made very clear for everyone. So the big important things aren't really things that you have to go back to the canon to really puzzle out. The important things, I think, about Star Trek are the characters and the effect those characters have on each other. I believe it was Peter David who said once, if you put Kirk and Spock and McCoy in a room together, you've got an episode of Star Trek. They'll just play off each 
other. And secondly, the idea that humanity can be better than it is. And it's not easy, but we can be the good guys. And I think that's maintained fairly universally in whatever Star Trek media you see. Now, yes, there is plenty of internal strife and plenty of Federation-based villains. I'm not saying there aren't. And I am certainly not saying that the tone of the original media and the various series and the new movies are the same. They are certainly not. The new movies are, and I say this with love, basically Star Wars movies. But then, as I saw on the internet recently, pretty much everything is Star Wars. Everything must be fast-paced action-adventure with lots of explosions because that is the way of things right now. Lots of segmented metal. We still haven't quite gotten over our recent obsession with segmented metal. I hope that we can manage to get over that someday. But, that said, that's kind of why I was pleased when J.J. Abrams, it turned out, was directing The Force Awakens. Because I thought to myself, well, he's already done two pretty decent Star Wars movies. (laughs) So why not let him actually do it for real? My apologies to fans of, well, anything at this point. It is just my opinion. Please don't kill me. But yes, the tone of the new movies is very different. The focus of the new movies is very different. And yes, a lot less thinking goes on in the new movies. They don't stop and try to understand the enemy. No, they're not dealing with social issues quite as expertly as they used to. But I do have hope that the new show that's going to be coming out on CBS might attempt to tackle that. Because really, that kind of thing is better addressed in TV. I think there is still room for a different kind of Star Trek movie, one that does have more of the sensibilities of the original shows. I think it could be done. I don't know that it is very likely with the current structure of things in the film industry, but we'll see. You never know. We may yet get another Thinking Men's Star Trek. Maybe a fan of The Matrix or Inception will one day get a crack at it, and we'll try for something a little deeper. Granted, those things still were more action-adventure-y than the original various Star Trek media, but it might be a step in the right direction. I don't know. Tis a thought. Okay, next thing. The next thing is DC. In this case, once again, I'm not going to talk a lot about the comic books, even though that's where everything came from. I am a fan of the comics, but I'm not a mega fan of the comics, like quite a few comics fans are, and I don't think I know quite enough about the comics to really speak deeply to their continuity. But I have been watching the movies that have been coming out in the DC Extended Universe, I believe they're calling it. And I've been watching the various TV shows that have been mostly CW-driven. I've just finished catching up on the most recent seasons of The Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl. So I'm at last fairly caught up there, for the time being. In the DCEU, those movies, we now have Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Suicide Squad. Now I realize this is not a popular opinion, because I did not sing along with everyone who was picking up the meme before the movies came out that they were going to suck, and therefore was not predisposed to think so when they came out. So I will go ahead and say, I liked those movies. I liked all three of them. I think they were interesting and decently put together. I think they were different from everything that's come before, and I think that's interesting. I do not think the movies were perfect. Far from it, there were a lot of problems with them. But I enjoyed them anyway. I think overall they were okay. 
They weren't great movies, but they were enjoyable movies. And they're not nearly as bad as the memes of them being bad would necessarily have you believe. The attitude of them sucking that just kept repeating and repeating and repeating until it felt like it was reality. If you actually look at the movies, there are flaws. Serious flaws. Those might get better in the Blu-ray releases from what I hear. The various director's cuts that are coming out. And I'm looking forward to seeing those. But the things that bothered a lot of people did not ruin the movies for me. I liked them okay. I think they certainly could have been better. But in my opinion, they're not the abject crap that people say it is because it makes them feel good to say it. But I don't really blame them. That's not an entirely conscious process. And you know, if you didn't like the movies, you didn't like the movies. That's perfectly fine. Like I said, they are far from perfect. And to be honest, I kind of liked them for the same reasons I like Godzilla movies. There are things in there that are fun for me that trump pretty much everything else. But if I analyze them critically, they're not exactly the stuff you wrap fish in. They're not that bad. They're okay. Again, not great, but okay. Now, that said, I think that the take on Superman we've seen thus far is perhaps not the healthiest for society right now? That's kind of a different topic, but let's just say I think the Superman archetype could be put to better use than it has been in those movies. But plot-wise, I thought he did okay. I think the main thing that stylistically separates the DC movies from the DC TV shows is that the movies are trying much harder to show us a world in which you have people reacting the way people today would tend to in this world, and that people can be downright horrible and leave no quarter whatsoever in their considerations. No one in a position of power will ever yield anything, and no one will ever behave like a decent human being unless called out to do so. Every box on everyone's personal to-do lists will be checked, and there is nothing anyone can do about it, unless you punch them in the face enough times. I kind of feel like it's a similar attitude to the one Game of Thrones has traditionally had in also showing that people are horrible. There is no escape. This person will always do this terrible thing to you unless someone stops them. That's kind of been a little bit different in the most recent season of Game of Thrones, but I'm not talking about Game of Thrones right now. That said, though, that feeling was a little bit different in Suicide Squad. There might have actually been the first few glimmers of hope and individuality in that one. So that's a thing. In the DC TV shows, you don't have that present day, this is what the real world is like mindset necessarily pervading everything. And again, while I think that mindset, for all its faults, is a valid way to look at things, and at times an interesting way to look at things, the DC TV shows are a lot more fun, in my opinion. And the TV shows are kind of doing better at getting people interested in continuity the way that comic books would by having various crossovers and everything taking place in the same universes, plural. Or perhaps, more properly, I should say realities. Because the term universes can imply a couple of different things that I don't want to get into right now. If you're a scientist, you probably know what I'm talking about, but it's not the point of what I'm talking about right now, so we're not going to go into it just at the moment. Anyway, just take it as read that if I say multiple universes over the course of this particular episode of this podcast, I am referring to multiple realities, multiple timelines. I'm using it in that sense. Let's not worry about other common usages right now. So, of course, this is a case where you have the movies having a different continuity from the TV shows. And... 
I think that's just fine, actually. I think that is a sign that perhaps, dare I think it, media might be maturing. They might finally be willing to trust the audience enough that they understand that these are two separate tellings of stories with the same or at least similar characters. But they are all portrayed by different actors. They are different productions. You can have lots of different people play James Bond. You can have lots of different people play Hamlet. You can have those shows going on at almost the same time and and people will realize that they are two different things. That did not used to be the case, I think. I remember the way things were with Warner Brothers, and this happened a lot because Warner Brothers owns DC, so everything is done under the Warner Brothers umbrella when they do these various TV shows and movies. But I remember traditionally, if a movie was going to be coming out with particular characters in them, and there was also a TV show going on, Warner Brothers would step in and tell the producers of the TV show they couldn't use the characters that were going to be in the movies. Now that's still kind of happening to an extent, but I think the tension has lessened with it. I remember, for example, that toward the end of the cartoon Justice League Unlimited, they were going to have this major power struggle between Lex Luthor and the Joker to try to control their society of bad guys. I can't remember what it was called. I can't remember which iteration it was, but this is one of those things that people with uber geek level comic book knowledge will be able to remember. I don't really need to know what they were called for the purpose of this talk. The point is, it was a bad guy group and there was going to be a power struggle between Lex Luthor and the Joker over controlling it. But Warner Brothers told them not to use the Joker for it because the Dark Knight was going to be coming out. And of course, the bad guy in the Dark Knight was the Joker. Now, I think that kind of paranoid thinking that the audience is too dumb to be able to grasp the concept of two different versions of the same character is starting to fade a little bit. Perhaps due to the fact that both the TV show and the movies are kind of exploring the idea of multiple realities, although I think that's more a fan theory than anything else. The idea that the concept of the multiverse, infinite numbers of Earths, all of which have numbers, that concept can make having different versions of the characters okay. I don't think that's absolutely necessary. I don't think that is necessarily why that is the case, but I can see it as kind of a thing that maybe was pitched as a way to get some of the executives to calm down about having different versions of the same character out there. I don't know. I think that to a certain extent, there is still a little bit of panic around those concepts because, again, spoilers, in Arrow relatively recently, I believe they killed off that series version of Amanda Waller, and that once again might have been executives panicking that people wouldn't be able to tell two different Suicide Squads apart, but I think this is something they're going to try to deal with and live with, at the very least because we know there's a Flash movie that's going to be coming out, and yet the Flash TV show is having a ridiculous amount of success. Could they still Bigfoot it? Sure. The Flash TV show might have its plug pulled shortly before the movie is released, no matter how popular it is, because again, it's Warner Brothers calling all the shots. But I am hoping that they will understand and realize how much money that TV show is bringing in, and think perhaps we don't want to gamble everything on the movie, and keep the TV show around. I mean, we've got the whole alternate reality thing going, so maybe it's okay? Etc, etc. So, does all this continuity matter? Does the canon matter? For the TV shows, I think perhaps only if you are trying to follow the shows and characters come in from other shows or from a number of years ago and you're trying to remember who it is that 
you're looking at, but it's been quite a while since you've seen that character, so you're not completely sure what it is they're talking about. I think it matters for that. So that's really a personal thing where you have to decide, is this show important enough to me that I want to try to remember who these random people are when they show up again? For me, the answer is yes, but for others, it could be more of a detriment. I don't know. It kind of annoys me whenever that happens, but then it's always a danger for any series that goes on for any period of time, not just shows that have shared universes with other shows. So there's that. Does canon matter for the movies? Well, it's funny, because the leadership for those movie projects has changed and is likely to continue to change, depending on how reactive the studios are, so it might really not matter as much. I think in this case, though, having a separate continuity from the TV shows is helpful, and putting as much of a separation between those two different versions as you can is also helpful, so I think it's good that you've got two different actors playing the same character. Helps people to distinguish what's going on. That said, though, I will say, talking about canon when you're dealing with a franchise that is exploring multiple realities is kind of an interesting thing because the question itself might not even matter. Though I do hope the question appears. The character, that is. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. But the question is cool, I'm just saying. Okay, that was terrible. The canon sort of matters in this case. Depends on what they do in the future. And again, if it gets frustrating or not fun, then it doesn't matter at all. Don't worry about it. That's what I think anyway. One interesting thing, though, I must mention about the recent DC movies is that folks have been comparing its storytelling to the storytelling of the Marvel movies. Because, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they took time to build things up. Whereas in the DC Extended Universe, they're throwing out a lot at once, kind of going from the top down instead of from the bottom up. And while I've always heard about both approaches, top-down and bottom-up, being valid for things like world-building in any academic discussions about it. A lot of folks have said that the bottom-up approach that Marvel is taking is what DC needs to be doing, but instead, of course, they're taking the top-down approach. I don't know that I agree with that necessarily, because we're in fairly uncharted waters here when it comes to shared cinematic universes. We've had them before, but never to this extent. So I'm still willing to think other approaches can work. But I had a thought come to me as I was watching Suicide Squad that made me wonder if perhaps we've now gotten more of a glimpse into how they're doing this. Because, as folks may know, and as I think I've said before, the Marvel movies are a lot of self-contained things that are part of a bigger tapestry, a lot of interconnected stories. But after seeing Suicide Squad and seeing the brief appearances, again spoilers, in them of Batman and The Flash, and the way they used those characters, I'm starting to think maybe what they're going for is the telling of one big story with a shifting frame. One big long continuing story about this particular world, this dark grim world, or gritty realistic world, depending on which side of the room you're standing. They're telling the story of this world, and we're seeing it from a bunch of different perspectives. And the main thing that we're seeing is the advancement of the whole setting, from one idea to another, and it's being told through the lenses of these different characters. First Superman, then Batman, and Superman again a little bit, and then Deadshot and Harley Quinn, with a sliver of perspective from Amanda Waller. So I think that's interesting. I'm not completely sure if that's what they're going for, but if it is, it'll be cool to see if they can pull it off. At least that's what I think. So, next. My goodness, it's getting late.
Am I going to chop this up into even more pieces? I might have to chop this up into even more pieces. All right, I've got like four more things to talk about here, and I've rambled for quite a while on the first two things. Probably not quite as much as I rambled about the other things for each of them, but I'm now starting to wonder, okay, is this not the final part? Because I only got through two of the things. Maybe. I've got like about four more things to talk about, and we're going to go into into a deeper and deeper geek spiral as we talk about them, because we're going to get more obscure. We're going to start talking about books and role-playing games, and I'm not completely sure those are going to hold enough interest on their own for people to flock to this podcast to listen, because to be frank, we humans move toward the shiniest things, and as media goes, the shiniest things are TV and movies. But you know, what the heck, this is my podcast, and I'll talk about whatever I want to. So, I will put a pin in this for now, and surprise, we're going to do... Yet another part to this ever-expanding series next time. Next time will be more literarily driven. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get all four of the things I want to talk about in, in a single episode, or if I have to split them up further. I am planning to talk about White Wolf's World of Darkness. I'm going to talk about H.P. Lovecraft. I'm going to talk about Terry Pratchett's Discworld. And I'm going to talk about the books of Douglas Adams and various other works that emerged from it. I could say lots about those things, but we shall see. We shall see how this goes. I have surprised myself by how much I've rambled now about the various things that I've rambled about, but all I know right now is I'm tired, it's late, and I need to go to bed. So, Star Trek in DC. Two fairly big topics, actually, now that I think of it, so probably just as well that we managed to get both of them into a single episode. But it was fun, and that, I think, is what matters. I am eager, as always, to hear what you folks think about the various things I've been talking about. Hopefully my thoughts on these subjects have not caused too much rage or hatred or despair or desire for revenge on those subjects, particularly, hopefully, not desire for revenge, as I enjoy being able to breathe in and out and would like to continue doing so for as long as as I can. But seriously, I'd love to hear your thoughts, so feel free to email me or comment on the blog or what have you, and we will get a tad more literary next time. Talk to you later, folks.